Hi, you're listening to my mom, Cat Lee, on the Inspired to Action podcast. Hey, can I listen to it? Hey, my name is Cat Lee, and I want to welcome you to the Inspired to Action podcast. My hope is that this show is the pep talk that you need as a mom, a, a reminder that what you do every single day is life changing, and it matters more deeply than you could ever imagine. I mean, out of all the women in the world, God chose you to be the mother of your children because you are unique and amazing and he has called you and he will equip you to thank you for serving your family, for loving your children fearlessly and for fighting to be a great mom. This episode is for you. Let's jump right in. Now, if you can't already tell from my voice, maybe you're new uh, to this podcast, I'm sick. I don't usually sound like this. And I think it's a great intro, actually, for the topic that we're talking about today. Uh, I'm talking with Jessica Turner from themomcreative.com, and she's written a new book called The Fringe Hours. And we're talking about, you know, is it even possible to take care of ourselves and our kids, too? And, and how do we find the time for things that bring us rest and bring us joy that aren't necessarily related to motherhood? Now, my sickness isn't stress-induced. It's not because I'm working too hard. It's actually just allergies. So, no fun. But... I know that a lot of us as moms can kind of push ourselves so hard and so far that we do lose our health. We don't take the best care of ourselves, and then it does impact us as women. It impacts us as wives and as moms. And so in this episode, we're talking about how we can discover the hidden pockets of time that we can use for self-care. We'll talk about the power of quiet in our lives. I know you might be thinking like I am quiet. What, what quiet? But we'll also talk about why it's not selfish to take care of yourself and how self-care can help you serve others better. Now, before we move on, I want to say a big thanks to our sponsor, PlanToEat.com. I have been using their service and been a paying customer for years and years, and I use it every single week when I go to the grocery store. And I, honestly, I think I would sit down and cry <laughs> if it weren't for Plan to Eat because I can meal plan so easily and so quickly. And I love, I think the most frustrating part for me was always once I meal planned, then I still had to come up with a shopping list. And that was always so annoying <laughs> to me. It's like, I did the hard work. I don't want to have to make the shopping list now. And I love how Plan to Eat just does that for you. So if you want to learn more, just go to plantoeat.com forward slash inspired to action and sign up for their free 30-day trial and test it out and see what you think. And I also made a little video on that page that you can check out that I hope you enjoy. Uh, so I have been sick, but I have been getting some stuff done. And I wanted to mention that if you're not signed up for my mailing list, I would love it if you would go do that right now. Just go to inspiredtoaction.com. And in the sidebar, you can click to download my free Maximize Your Mornings ebook and get on the mailing list, or you can just click the little button underneath my bio on the sidebar. But I would love for you to be on there because I'm working on a lot of new things that I'm really excited about, and I want you to know about it, but I always tell my mailing list subscribers first. So I have a new planner that I'm working on. It's a printable planner, and it is gorgeous. The designer that is working on it for me is just amazing, and I cannot wait until it's done. And I put a ton of thought into the pages that are going into it and the way that we've laid it out to help you be as organized as possible and to really take action. And I also have a site design, a redesign happening on Inspired to Action and then also on HelloMornings.org. Now, if you're not familiar with Hello Mornings, it's a basically an online community of women who want to wake up 
for their lives, not to their lives. And we help you uh, develop the morning habit of spending time with God, planning your day, and exercising. And we have a session coming up soon. So definitely stay tuned for that. I'll give you more specifics, but registration is going to start on March the 2nd. And I'll be sure to send you all the links and all that sort of stuff as we get closer to that. But if you get a chance, I would love for you to go sign up for that mailing list. And I'll make sure you know about all of those details. And while you do that, let's get started with our podcast with Jessica Turner. Hey, Jessica, thank you so much for being on the show today. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me, Kat. I really am so excited about your book because it's just so practical and so nuts and bolts. But at the same time, I don't feel like it's anything that I've seen a book about really, to the extent of of the practicality that you've gotten to. I mean, y'all, when you look through her book, there are like places to answer questions in the book, like lines where you can write answers. And so she really, you know, my podcast is called Inspired to Action. And in this book, she totally inspires you guys to action because she shares, you know, information, she shares action points, and then actually gives you a place where she expects you to respond and apply it to your own life. And and Jessica, I, I love how you did that. And I'd love to know kind of what inspired this book? What what made you think, hey, this book is a book that needs to be written? And um, what, what kind of brought that about? Sure. Well, my husband is a full-time writer and has written more than 20 books. And I have always said that I was never going to write a book. I work full-time in marketing and healthcare, and I blog at The Mom Creative. And um, just kind of felt like that was kind of where writing was going to end for me. But over and over and over, I have people asking me, how do I do it all? How do I work full-time and craft and blog and have a couple kids and um, manage all of that? And I would laugh and say, I don't, and you should see what my house looks like, Um, but really felt this need for women to hear that it was okay and that it was necessary for them to make time for themselves. And I was at a blogging conference, um, gosh, now it's been a couple years uh, since I first came up with the title, The Fringe Hours, and it just struck me. That is what people need to hear. They need to hear that they can make time for themselves, but that oftentimes that time is going to be found in the fringe hours, which are those pockets of time that often go underused or wasted altogether in your day, but that you can really be intentional about carving that time out and making it for you and making yourself a priority and talking about self-care. And um, so it was birthed out of that. And then I conducted a survey because I didn't want it to just be my story. I knew that I was just an N of one, a woman living in Nashville, having a very specific job and um, specific lifestyle and wanted it to really reach the masses. And so conducted a survey with more than 2,000 women who spoke into the book and spoke into what their lives look like and into um, what they were passionate about. And a lot of women, what they wished they were passionate about, but just didn't have the time for, and really used that then as a foundation for the fringe hours and being able to say, okay, so if this is what your life looks like, here's what you can do and have it be both really practical, but inspiring that, hey, if this working mom can do it and this single mom can do it, and this stay-at-home mom can do it, and this is what all of their lives look like, how can I apply this to my own life? That's so good. Uh, you know, the the little subtitle, I guess it's what it's called on your book, it says, Making Time for You. So one thing that I really appreciate is that you did do a survey of, was it like 2,000 women, you said? Mm-hmm, it was. Um, and so you really got an idea of the heartbeat, of, of the issues that are facing them. And, and I know one of them is just 
how do why why should I make time? It, it feels guilty to, to even read that line. Sometimes I, I would say for a lot of moms that are listening right now, to even say that making time for me that feels like a thing that is not okay. That there, there's like this martyr mom syndrome <laughs> that the less sleep that I get, the less time I have right. for myself, <laughs> the better mom I am. Uh, what would you say to those moms that feel a little bit that way? I would say that that's a very normal feeling. The first part of the book actually deals with those feelings of feelings of guilt and comparison and feeling like you already can't balance it all. And so how do you work this in? I think that's very normal for all of us. Even someone like me who would say that I'm pretty good at prioritizing myself and uh, my passions, I deal with that same kind of guilt. And so I think that that's normal, but it's when you're letting that guilt control you that that becomes an issue. When you're doing things out of guilt instead of out of need or because you're wanting to do them, then that's not a really good place to be living. And I would challenge those women to really evaluate what should you say no to? What maybe is not necessary? You know, I think um, a great example is we'll feel guilted into doing something for our kids' school. And we'll make these elaborate cupcakes for the school party or whatever when, frankly, we could save that hour, just go buy some at the grocery store, and all will still be right with the world. And I think identifying what those triggers are for yourself and figuring out, is this really a good use of my time? Is this really a good use for how I'm living and taking action? Is this healthy for my family, for my kids to be seeing me doing these things when I don't even want to? Is it impacting my attitude? And thinking about some of those things, really think that positive change can happen for women. So you went through, I'm sure, this whole journey um, during your life, or or, or unless you came out of the womb, just incredibly great at prioritizing and (laughs) balancing a lot of things. I I would love to know kind of the journey that, that you've gone through in the process of working and being a mom and writing and keeping up a blog and having time to do craft stuff and having a busy and successful husband. What journey did you go through to be able to feel like you could write this book? So I did come out of the womb a little like this. (laughs) So uh, you're not completely inaccurate when you say that. Um, But even still, so I remember growing up I was the first one awake. Like I would wake my parents. I would wake my sister. I was kind of in charge of getting the house moving because I would get up early and that's when I would do my homework and that's when I would just spend time for myself. Um, And that's just kind of how I've always been. And I talk a lot about in the fringe hours because I think that, and I know you agree with this, that those early morning hours are a great opportunity for women to make time for themselves and do the things that they want um, and take care of themselves before the little ones awake and your husband's awake and you've got to get ready for school and work and all of those things. Um, But it really came to a head when I had my daughter who is three and a half now and she was not a good sleeper at all. And I was up with her a lot. She didn't take a passy. I was sort of a human passy for her and she had um, chronic ear infections. And so I was always concerned that she was crying because she was in pain. And so I got up with her a lot and she would typically get up around four o'clock and have a feeding. And, you know, normally I would get up for work at six. But by the time I would feed her and put her back to bed, it was 4.45 or so. And I would have to make a call. Do I try to go back to bed, sleep for maybe another 45 minutes, and then wake up and you're groggy, you know, from going back to sleep, and then your morning's rushed and all of that? Or should I just stay awake? And on the mornings that I stayed awake 
and had time to do my writing on the mom creative and had time to do reading or sometimes even scrapbooked. No joke. I have scrapbooked multiple times from five to six 30 in the morning. <laughs> um, when I made that time for myself and then the kids woke up and then we got ready for work and for school, I had started my day better. Mm-hmm. I was happier. I had invested in myself. I wasn't feeling then at the end of the day so drained from giving, giving, giving because I had taken care of myself first. And so that really then became a lifestyle where I was regularly getting up at five, giving me 60 to 90 minutes a day, and even on the weekends, getting up that early so that I could have that time. And so I'd say that was really kind of the turning point. I think having two kids and managing two kids while working full time and having all of these other things going on, really having that concentrated amount of time and then being intentional with other times throughout the day. Like when I get a lunch break at work that I don't just eat at my desk, that I go out and I do something. And sometimes that's running errands so I don't have to do them at a different time so that then in the evening when I would, you know, run to the grocery store, I can now take those e- those evening hours for myself, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but other times it was meeting friends for lunch and having good community and good conversation during my lunch break. And so being intentional about those chunks of time that I was finding in the day and using those to care for my own needs really became life-changing for me. And now I can't imagine living any other way. So if you started getting up, you know, 60, 90 minutes earlier, how did that affect your evening before? Did you did you just lose that sleep or did you start going to bed earlier? How did you how did you make that up? Sleep is really important to me. <laughs> so <laughs> I did not lose that sleep. Um I typically go to bed at 9:30 and so I'm getting a solid seven and a half hours and frankly I if I don't get at least 7 hours, I'm pretty irritable. So um sleep has always been something that I've never been a night owl. I've never functioned well on five hours of sleep. And so, no, I just moved my bedtime up a little bit. Um, And so I'd still have some time after the kids went to bed, before I went to bed um, for my husband and doing things around the house. Um, But then, yep, I would still get that full night's sleep. And that's so important, right? You cannot Mm -hmm. run yourself ragged because then your health is going to suffer and then everything else suffers as well. Mm -hmm. So actually, as we speak, my husband is out of town on a business trip. And when he goes out of town, I have this weird thing. I mean, there, there are definitely worse issues I could have. But I stay up late and watch Hallmark movies. And I discovered that I have access to this website called Hallmark Channel Everywhere, which basically means I have <laughs> on-demand Hallmark movies. <laughs> That's amazing. So the other night, I stayed up and watched two in a row and went to bed at midnight. Maybe it was past midnight. And the following day... As much as I had planned out this week to be incredibly productive, I was utterly useless. It wasn't that I was tired. I just right. had zero focus. <laughs> I I watched, honestly, I watched Johnny Swim um, live concert footage on YouTube probably okay. for hours on end. <laughs> so there is so very, very much to be said, even if we don't feel tired, even if we don't think that we lost that much sleep how it affects our focus and our energy level. And then as moms, how it affects our patients um, to not get that sleep is so very important. And I, I would think that you would agree that as we make time for us and as we learn to make time for the things that we're passionate about, that sleep is the one thing that that we really cannot cannot skimp on. I think in general, we can't skimp on things related to our health because 
in the long run, we are going to suffer and our families are going to feel the repercussions of that. So yeah, I absolutely agree with you. I think it's so very important to take good care of ourselves. So then if, in the idea of making time for us and making the most of all those fringe hours, does it all become kind of about just doing more? Does it ever feel, I uh, wonder if some people listening would feel like, oh, well, there's just more things that I'm right. supposed to do. I need to cram more into my life. Well, no, that is not the heart of the Fringe Hours at all. I often say that the Fringe Hours is not a book about doing more. It's a book about being more, more fulfilled, more creative, just more alive in general. So um, it isn't about adding more to your schedule. It's actually about taking away, about prioritizing, and about being okay with letting things go. So sometimes I will not do the dishes at night because I have not had enough time for myself. I have. I feel in my soul <laughs> that if I don't craft or do some sewing or do something for me that I'm going to combust and the dishes can wait. You know, I don't want my kids to grow up and remember a mom who was always stressed out because the house wasn't perfect. I think it's okay to live in our imperfection and to be thriving emotionally, spiritually, um, and just in life in general. So no, it's not about doing more with the time that you have. It's about being more intentional um, with the time that you have and about making it about you as well. Because so often we as moms are great about making time for everything and everyone except ourselves. Mm -hmm. And we've got to stop living that way. Mm -hmm. I love how that you have a chapter completely dedicated to eliminating guilt <clears throat> and comparison. Um, uh-huh. Because... We, talk, we touched a little bit on guilt with the whole um, motherhood martyr syndrome. Right. What about comparison? Because somebody might look at you and say, well, wow, she gets a lot of stuff done. I don't get a fraction of that done. I'm, I'm obviously not using my time well or I'm not um, very accomplished. How do we step out of that and realize that God made each of us completely differently to do different things? Yeah, the comparison thing is huge and it's everywhere. And I feel like social media makes it even worse. Mm -hmm. And so that's something that I talk about specifically in that comparison chapter. I think that we need to look at where we are and what our life circumstances are and use that as the benchmark and not use everyone else as the benchmark. I think that when we do that, the wheels come off the tracks and all of a sudden, everything feels not right and we're running this hamster wheel when really it doesn't matter, right? Mm -hmm. Nobody else sees that. Um, so often I think we put um, weight on ourselves to have things look a certain way or be a certain way when no one else is looking at that. I love, um, there's an interview with a gal, Laura Tremaine, who writes a great blog called Hollywood housewife. And she talks about that um, in the interview that I did with her and about how nobody is going to know if you ordered pizza for dinner or no one is going to know if you said to your husband, I really need to go out for an hour and go and get a manicure, right? Mm -hmm. But yet we put these unmerited, <laughs> unnecessary feelings of guilt in comparison of what other people are doing, what they're serving for dinner, what their lives look like at night, you know, that they're doing perfect Pinterest crafts with their kids or they, you know, made this amazing elaborate meal and then feel like we're failing, right? Mm -hmm. When no one knows, no one cares. No one cares that my kitchen is a hot mess right now, right? So um, I just think that it is important to do whatever we can to eliminate that. And, you know, I talk about like there are people that I've unfollowed on social media because I'm like, 
when I look at their pictures on Instagram, it just makes me feel bad about myself. Like it isn't serving me in any positive manner. So why am I doing that? Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think it's recognizing what is that in your life and eliminating that. Yeah, getting rid of those triggers. Um, Absolutely. You you know, when we think about the Olympics and maybe like the 100 meter, I don't think it's called the dash in the Olympics, but the 100 meter race or whatever that's called. Right. Um, As they run down the track, they have an idea of where people are on their right and on their left. But every single one of those runners is simply focusing on their technique and on running personally as fast as they possibly can. And I think as, as women and as moms, that's just what it comes down to, working to be our best and not the best. Um, Absolutely. And becoming the best version of ourselves. Because I know, just like you're talking about, uh, I feel like for me, I do kind of look around a lot because I didn't know my mom. And so it's kind of like I'm running this race and I'm not really exactly sure what I should be doing. And so I'm kind of looking around. Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Is that what I'm supposed to be doing? And then with the Pinterest standard out there, I'm like, oh, well, obviously I should be you know, setting the bar this high. But when it comes down to it, we all know that to be a great mom, just you know, love God and love your kids and love your husband. Maybe not in that order. Love God, love your husband, love your kids. (laughs) But, you know, those, if we do those three things, we are golden. And if we can just focus our energy on, on, on that and then let go of all the extraneous things. Um, And I think, you know, if I can just add to that, I think that um, so often we look at what other people's passions are and think that they should be our own. So for instance, for me, I love planning big birthday parties for my kids. It is my favorite. I plan them like for nine months. I make all of this stuff. They are elaborate and fun and I just go all out and I love doing it. And my kids obviously love the parties and it's our big thing every summer when they have their birthdays. And people look at that, particularly even in our own community, not even from the blogging world, right? People who come to the parties and then They'll have the party at the local, you know, gym or whatever. They'll say something to me about how their party isn't as good as my party. And I'm like, that is not why I do it. And that is not why you're having this party for your kids, right? You can't Mm -hmm. use other people's standards of what they're doing or what they're passionate about for your own, right? My kids will leave that party and say, that was the best party ever. Like, they don't care, right? Mm -hmm. And their kids that they're throwing the parties for are just elated to have that party. And so I think it's again, remembering why you're doing something, right? I'm not doing that party to show off to the world that I can do a great party. I'm doing it because I love doing it and because my kids love doing it. And it's something special for our family. So why are you doing what you're doing? And are you doing it with the right heart and motivation? And I think when we do things that we're passionate about and that we do things that are serving our families, those are the things that are going to bring joy and abundance um, to our lives. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, if we ask our kids, our kids are always going to say that we're the best. You know, regardless Absolutely. of if mm-hmm. I, you know, burn everything I cook, they're going to think my mom is the best cook. My mom is the best party person. My mom is the best. And that is just Absolutely. a wonderful thing that God instilled in our children that can really free us from feeling that burden. Because I am the complete and total opposite of you. I look for ways to outsource birthday party cake and we have it at the jumpy <laughs> place. And can <laughs> I get a cake from the grocery store? Because, uh, you know, I know that that is not something that I enjoy. It's not something that um, it would totally stress me out. And to just even be able to identify those things or, or to make a list and say, these are things that I'm not going to do. 
and things that I'm not going to stress about. And even writing that down can be so freeing to recognize what, you know, isn't something that, that, that fills us. I love how you say that our kids see everything kind of through the eyes of us being the best. My little boy is in kindergarten and I went for parent-teacher conferences this past fall and I was expecting and had just a really hard, awful pregnancy. And so our house was even more of a hot mess than normal. And his teacher showed me a picture that he had drawn where they had been instructed to draw something that was perfect to them. And he drew our house with him Mm -hmm. and his sister in it. And it, it could make me cry right now just thinking about it because he didn't draw. He drew our house, right, where I look at our house and I'm like, it is such a mess. I'm a terrible homemaker. Like, this, it's just awful. And he looks at our house and he sees perfect. And so I think that's what we need to remember. What are, what are we really saying to our kids with how we're acting and, and how we're living? And so I think that includes – how you're taking care of yourself, Mama, and um, he remembers time together in the craft room and mm-hmm. time snuggling, reading books, and being really happy at home, and that's what matters. Mm-hmm. And when you are healthy and whole and able to then invest that more, much more in others, that's what that's what makes you a great mom. It's not any of the extraneous stuff. Um, the, the, a couple of weeks ago, I was with my kids, and I forget exactly what happened, but I was really grumpy in the car. And I think I asked them, I was, I was really wanting, my kids are tween age and then I have a seven-year-old boy. And I was really wanting them to get some vision for life. And, you know, I said, what's, and they were all kind of bickering and things. And so I said, okay, what's, just give me one word of what you want to be like when you grow up. And one of my kids gave me a silly answer and I was not in the mood for a silly answer. And so then I was like, okay, nobody talks until we get to the grocery store and nobody talks in the grocery store. And then when we get back in the car, we'll talk about it again. It was not my a highlight of my, you know, <laughs> highlight mothering moment. Right. <laughs> so then we get back in the car and I've calmed down a little bit and I say, okay, what, give me one word of what you want to be when you grow up. And my 10 year old girl says you. Oh, and wow. I, was, I mean, I was totally wrecked. <laughs> totally wrecked me. So even in our worst moments, even as our kids get older, they still think that we hung the moon and we don't need to perform for our kids. And I think that's something that's so easy to lose sight of. And so then we just get in this hamster wheel of trying to perform and trying to be the best. And then we kind of self-destruct. And you have another chapter dedicated to the idea of rest. Mm -hmm. And in our society, I would guess that is something that very few people make time for, especially true rest. So tell I mean, me Kat, a little bit. I am not good at it. If I could have left that chapter out, <laughs> you'll notice in that chapter, there aren't a whole lot of examples of me in there. There's a lot of great examples from other people because in the arc of the book, that's probably the thing I struggle with the most. Um, just because I do like going, going, going. Um, but it is so important. I think I, when I was writing The Fringe Hours, it literally in my fringe hours, right, of working full time on top of the blog, on top of family, um, I was a stressed out mess. And there, there was no margin. There was no rest. I was getting canker sores all the time because I was so stressed out. I got 
very sick. And it was because I wasn't taking care of myself. And so I think the ramifications when we do go periods without rest can be pretty significant. And so I think that is the lesson and the reminder. And that, you know, it's it's scripture, right? That we are supposed to have rest built into our lives, built into our weeks. And so it is very, very important. And part of that process of self-care. And remembering that how we're living our lives, that our kids are seeing that. They're seeing that modeling, right? So my kids are seeing those early mornings of where mommy's having quiet time. And if they wake up early, that they need to do something quietly because mommy is having time for herself. And um, thinking about those types of things of how we're modeling that, because it is something that is going to take, impact the next generation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What's something that you took away from you know, surveying for that chapter or interviewing people for that chapter, what's something that impacted you? Um, I interviewed uh, Deidre Riggs, who's a friend and a writer um, for Encourage, and she talked about how even from the time her kids were little that she would actually have days where she was quiet and where she rested and how she got so much out of that and that she still practices that. She's an empty nester now and how that has made such a huge difference in her life. And I thought, wow, I have trouble resting for an afternoon and she <laughs> she is quiet and rests for days. What a incredible model um, to do. And so that was really, really inspiring to me. I, I, know, I think I saw recently Tish Oxenrider went to uh -huh. some sort of I don't even know what it was. Uh, maybe it was a monastery type place, but a place where you go and people don't really talk. And she went, I don't know if it was for a day or for a couple of days, but in my head, I was like, that would be so amazing. But then in reality, I know it would be so difficult and challenging for me to actually do and and not try to do stuff and get stuff done. And what what is that struggle in us, do you think, that, that causes us to to fight rest so much? You know, I think it's probably partly just the way our society is, right? It is not seen as the normal. It is not what we see as what everyone else is doing. And so if it was something that was modeled and we saw regularly, I don't think we would struggle with it so much. But because we really don't see it and it's not the norm, it's, I think, harder to embrace that. Mm -hmm. It's almost like being burned out and doing too much is applauded. You get a badge of honor. Absolutely. Absolutely. For doing that. And I think that also holds true with just doing too much, right? That that being able, there's a study done. I can't attribute who it was to. I read about it in the book Overwhelmed. Um, but they looked at Christmas card letters from the 50s, I think it was, through today. Well, that sounds so fascinating. <laughs> it was amazing to read about. Um, Bridget Schulte wrote the book Overwhelmed, which I can't recommend enough. And in it, she interviewed this woman who had conducted this study. And what changed in Christmas letters was people talking about busyness and about all of the things that they had done. And I thought, gosh, that is so fascinating and so true. And that that was an example of how society has shifted um, just by looking at those Christmas letters. You had me at the word study. I am such a nerd when it comes to studies and surveys and things like that. That sounds like a fantastic book. What was the name of the author again? Um, Bridget Schulte. Okay. Very interesting. Yeah. 
Okay, so let's say a mom is listening right now, and she's about to pull into her driveway after work. She is about to turn off uh, her phone or iPod or whatever she's listening to after being at the gym or after nap time. And she's like, yes, I need to start making time for me. How would you encourage her to get started? I think the first thing that I would do is think about your week and if you can automatically identify a pocket of time that you have that right now you've been doing something else. Maybe you have um, three hours on a Friday afternoon and you use that to clean your whole house. Well, maybe you do the best you can in an hour and a half and then you take an hour and a half for yourself. Think about if you have that time readily accessible or you can wake up 30 minutes early, figure out what that pocket of time is that you could implement almost immediately. The second thing that I would say is track your time. Um, You can download a time tracker on fringehours.com or you can just use a notebook, but really document how you spend your time over the course of a week. It's different than a calendar because you're literally writing down in 15-minute increments what you did, whether it was cleaning the kitchen, it was taking kids to school. Look at then over the course of a week how you spent your time, where the non-negotiables are, and where you maybe could tweak your schedule so that you could make yourself a priority. And then it's telling somebody else, hey, I really want to make this shift. Can you help keep me accountable? For a lot of us, that might be a spouse or it might be a friend. um, But having that accountability will really help in ensuring that you are actually making that time for yourself and not just saying you want to do it. So swap it, track it, and share it. Yes, ma'am. I love it. I like it. Um, so I, I'm curious to know, do you know your Myers-Briggs personality type? I don't. And we were just talking about that maybe a week and a half ago at work because my coworker had printed something and it was like prayers based on your Myers-Briggs personality. She said, what is yours? I said, I don't know. I don't know that I've ever done it. And we talked about me going online and doing it, and then I I didn't. So I don't know. I know that's awful. No, it's not awful. You totally should listen to a podcast I did, I think, like three weeks ago with Megan Teets from sortacrunchy.net. Uh-huh. I love Um, her. All about personality types and motherhood. And it was just so fascinating. But when you talk about tracking your time, I am an ENFP, which basically means that I am really optimistic. And so with my time, I tend to be ridiculously optimistic with, you know, how much time something's going to take. It's always going to be less time than it actually does. Or more optimistic about, you know, how much I can accomplish in a certain period of time. And when I did track my time, I realized that I had, I don't know, like 15 fewer hours every week to do what I thought I could do. You you know, I, Mm -hmm. I just not factored in so many things that, you know, I didn't necessarily have on the calendar, but that I did every day or every single week. And so I think that is that can be just almost a mind-blowing activity for a lot of people to do, especially if you have that personality type that tends to be overly optimistic. I don't know if I have that personality type, but I know that I have that personality type when it comes to time. Mm-hmm. Um, it, my husband jokes that I get more done from five to nine than what most people do from nine to five. <laughs> but even even though I'm very efficient in the morning, um, I sometimes think, oh, I can go and take those pictures for that blog post or, oh, I can go and you know get two loads of laundry done before work. And then when I cram too much in, that's when, you know, everything falls apart. And then I'm stressed out and running around and don't get everything done and and that sort of thing. So um, I've had to become more cognizant of what is actually realistic for my time. And and tracking my time, even as somebody who 
feels like I'm pretty good at managing my time Mm -hmm. was really eye-opening for me. So I think it's a great exercise for anyone to do. And particularly since we're at the beginning of the year and we're kind of thinking, how are we going to make this our best year yet? And those types of things, it's a great, easy exercise to do. Absolutely. Jessica, thank you so much for sharing so much wisdom on the podcast today. I really appreciate you taking the time in your fringe hours. Thank you so much, Kat. It's been my pleasure. Awesome. Um, And for everybody listening, we will be having a giveaway of her book. So stay tuned for my comments after this interview and learn how you can grab a copy of it. So um, online, where can people find you, Jessica? I am pretty easy to find. Uh, It's Jessica N. Turner on Instagram and Twitter. Facebook, I'm The Mom Creative, and my blog is themomcreative.com as well. And then you can also check out fringehours.com. And we're using the hashtag fringehours to be inspiring one another with our photos of what we're doing in the fringe hours. And so you can also check out that hashtag on Instagram and Twitter. And where can people get the book? Pretty much anywhere books are sold, you can get it. Amazon, Dayspring, um, Barnes & Noble, everywhere. It's very, very fun and exciting. Is that fun to say? You can get it my is. book everywhere books are sold. <laughs> I know. It's pretty amazing. I'm, I'm so thankful. And we actually have a really beautiful, neat um, product line with Dayspring as well for the French Hours of note cards and journals and um, just products to help women um, and inspire them when they've got that time for themselves. So that's something neat to check out as well on there. Very cool. And did I hear word that there is going to be a book club? There is. Yeah, there is. Um, Angie Smith and I have um, hosted a book club called Bloom on Encourage for the past few years now. And it's exciting that we are going to be launching the Fringe Hours Book Club, where we actually just did a few days ago. And um, so people can go on Dayspring and get involved in that community and be reading it with hundreds of women from across the country. And what's really fun about this particular book club is that we've invited several other women to join us. And so we have a conversation with women from around the country who lead very different lives, lives talking about... Um, their fringe hours and their passions and the challenges with it. And so just really fascinating conversation that happens with that book club this time around. So we're really, really excited about it. Wonderful. Well, go check that out, everybody. And Jessica, thank you again for joining us today. And we will talk to you again. Thanks, Kat. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, that's all that we have for today's episode of the Inspired to Action podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen. I know that there are a million things that you could be doing right now, and I hope that this episode has encouraged you. You know, if you have any questions or suggestions for me, just head over to inspiredtoaction.com and click the contact button to send me an email. I would love to hear from you, and I would love to do whatever I can to get the resources that you need to keep growing as a mom. And if you enjoyed this podcast, it would be awesome if you would take a minute to rate it on iTunes. That's going to help more moms to find it and get the encouragement that they need. And as always, you can check out all the show notes for this session at inspiredtoaction.com. And you can also download any of our free ebooks or our free prayer calendars for moms at the blog. Just go to inspiredtoaction.com and click on the resources link. And my name is Kat Lee, and I wish you an incredible day with your family. And remember, you're a mom. You're kind of a big deal. Now go be awesome. It's early in the morning, the house is quiet. But I've set aside this time for you. I bow before the throne of a noble king.
to sing It's gonna be a good day A good day filled with His grace His grace and sweet new mercy 